Today, all about the Fed and what might break first. Hello again, it's Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics, one of the latest posts covering finance and problem news with a distinctively Australian flavour. Well, this is, of course, our weekly update as to what's happened on the markets. We'll start in the US, go across to Europe, Asia and end in Australia. And Wall Street rallied on Friday to end a volatile week as US Treasury yields eased and economic data helped investors look past the growing likelihood that the Federal Reserve will have to keep its restrictive policy in place until late in the year. It continues to be all about the Fed and how gracefully they can slow the economy, said David Carter, managing director at JP Morgan Private Bank. The Fed is telling markets what they want to hear, but also injecting the caution that rates may need to go higher depending on the economic data. Atlanta Federal Reserve President Raphael Bostic said he favoured slow and steady as the appropriate course of action for the Fed, arguing for a hike of 25 basis points later this month. Downside risks could escalate again in the coming weeks, though, when the Labor Department releases the US non-farm payroll data for February. The so-called NFP report is expected to show a slower jobs growth of 200,000 for last month after the blowout 517,000 in January. Runaway jobs growth and spending by Americans has made the Federal Reserve's task of curbing inflation much harder than the central bank had expected. Core foreign inflation remains high and inflationary pressures abroad, the Fed said in its semi-annual report to Congress, referring to its policy-making Federal Open Market Committee. The central bank said the committee is strongly committed to returning inflation to its 2% objective. Ongoing increases in the target range will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive. The Consumer Price Index, a broad gauge of inflation, hit a 40-year high at 9.1% for the year in June 2022. Now, it's moderated since to an analysed rate of 6.4% in January, but remains well above the Fed's target of just 2% per year. So to clamp down on runaway price growth, the Fed added 450 basis points to interest rates since March last year via eight hikes. And prior to that, rates stood close to zero after the global outbreak of the coronavirus in 2020. US jobs numbers have surprised the upside month after month, and there's a chance that February could give us another jolt, said John Kidloff partner at New York Energy Hedge Fund again Capital. If that's the case, rate expectations will be skewed to the upside again and risk assets will suffer and oil is certainly not out of the woods. So all three major US stock indices surged more than 1% with the tech-laden Nasdaq close to 2% with a boost from interest rate sensitive mega caps. US Treasury yields eased in the wake of comments from federal officials that calmed fears over inflation and interest rates. And for the week, the indices notched gains, with the S&P snapping a three-week losing streak and the Dow returning to positive territory year-to-date, enjoyed its first weekly advance since late January. The week also saw the benchmark S&P 500 break through its 50- and 200-day moving averages to closely watched technical levels. It's an indication that a shift is transpiring, said Robert Pavic, senior portfolio manager at Dakota Wealth. And a lot of people are suspect of it, but they don't want to be left behind. The Institute for Supply Management's gauges of services was little changed at 551 
according to data that came out on Friday. Readings above 50, signal growth, and the February index exceeded the median forecast of 54.5. The Purchasing Managers Group's measure of new orders rose more than two points to 62.6. That's the highest since November 21, and signalled, well, healthy demand. The index of services employment increased four points to a more than one year high of 54%. So nothing here to suggest that things are slowing, really. Investors saw what they wanted to see in the ISM data, which was basically healthy growth with slowing prices, Carter added. It suggests they are willing to stay on the plane as they are less worried about the landing. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 1.17% to 33,390. The S&P 500 gained 1.61% to 4,045. And the Nasdaq Composite added 1.97% to 11,689. The fourth quarter earnings season is now on its final stretch, with all but seven of the companies in the S&P 500 having reported results for the quarter have beaten consensus estimates 68% of the time. But on aggregate, analysts believe the S&P 500 earnings will have fallen about 3.2% in the fourth quarter compared to the prior year, and they expect negative year-on-year -year numbers for the first two quarters of 2023. That would imply the S&P 500 ended a three-quarter earnings recession in the closing months of 2022. Tesla was the biggest gainer in consumer stocks, up 3.6%, following data showing that demand in China rose after the electric vehicle maker cut prices. Tesla's monthly sales climbed 13% to 74,402 vehicles in February, according to preliminary data from China's Passenger Car Association, which was released on Friday. And in tech, Apple rallied more than 3% after Morgan Stanley reiterated its buy rating on the stock, citing underappreciated catalysts including iPhone and services gross margins near all-time highs and future product launches based on a potential hardware subscription service. Meta Platforms was also in the ascendancy at more than 6% after the social media giant cut the price of its virtual reality headsets at a time when Wall Street continues to talk up the company's potential boost from artificial intelligence. Semiconductor stocks also pushed tech higher, underpinned by a more than 5% jump in Broadcom after the chipmaker delivered stronger-than-expected guidance and its quarterly results topped estimates. The chipmaker is, quote, well-positioned for a soft landing, UBS said, as its position in high-end networking and compute offload should prove highly advantageous as hyperscalers look to rapidly scale AI infrastructure. Bit of gobbledygook there. Marvel Technology took some shine off chip stocks, though, after reporting mixed fourth quarter results and guidance that fell short of estimates as it continues to work through bloated inventory levels following pandemic-led stockpiling. And elsewhere on the earnings front, Costco Wholesale reported fiscal second quarter earnings that beat estimates, but revenue on February's same store sales fell short amid a weaker consumer. Goldman Sachs said it continued to have confidence in costs value proposition continuing to resonate with consumers and noted that the wholesale retailers management attributed the weakness in February to adverse weather. The 10-year Treasury yield moved back below the key 4% level after recently hitting its highest level since 2010. The retreat in yields comes even as data shows an expected return to growth in US services activity for the first time in eight months, suggesting the economy remains resilient enough to withstand, wait for it, further rate hikes. The yield on the 10-year note dropped 
10 basis points to 3.958, while the two-year was at 4.8606, so still recession inverted. And by the way, the volatility index was down 5.62% to 1849, significantly lower than recently. Capital economics Andrew Hunter is already looking ahead. The February employment report and the Fed chairman Jerome Powell's testimony at Congress next week should give a clearer indication of whether recent talk of interest rates going higher for longer is justified. We suspect the jobs report will cool recent talk of an economic reacceleration, with non-farm payrolls rising by a more modest 200,000, although much would still depend on the February inflation data due out later this month that would support our sense that it's too soon to expect a much higher peak in the Fed's policy rate. Well, we'll see. In its March monetary policy report, the Fed itself signalled inflation was being checked, quoting, measures of longer-term inflation expectations remain within the range of values seen in the decade before the pandemic and continues to be broadly consistent with the FOMC's longer-run objective of 2%, suggesting that high inflation is not becoming entrenched. Well, good luck with that. The recent string of strong economic data has forced investors to rethink how much more Fed tightening is needed to materially slow the economy. Markets are now forecasting the Fed to lift rates to a terminal rate as high as 5.46%, well above the 4.95% seen at the end of last year. Still, with the Fed closing in on the end of its rate hike cycle, some of Wall Street believe the trend for the year is higher and pullbacks in the broader market are buying opportunity. For long-term investors, the recent pullbacks are buying opportunities, Jimmy Lee, founder and CEO of the Wealth Consulting Group, said. The main point that investors need to understand is that the Fed is going to stop raising rates probably before the summer starts, Lee added. And if that happens, I think that a lot of late money will come into the market. A little more hopium there, I think. Growth sectors of the economy, including consumer discretion and tech, both of which are vulnerable to rising rates, were bolstered by the fall in Treasury yields. And multiple Federal Reserve officials came out and suggested they favour additional interest rate hikes while inflation readings continue to come in hot. But some analysts are calling for a return to 50 basis point hikes. But then again, markets continue to anticipate a pause by the summer. So we'll see. Gold and silver prices can be expected to move in advance of any announced pause or formal dovish turn by central bankers. Gold futures rose 1.21% to $1,862 an ounce. Interest in precious metals among general investors and speculators in futures markets has been lackluster so far this year, really. Although physical bullion buying has remained brisk, it hasn't been enough to generate much of a move in the spot prices, which, of course, are very much controlled by the large players. But one of the largest sources of gold bullion demand is buying aggressively. That's central banks, who around the world continue to be net accumulators of the monetary metal. They increasingly see the need for hard money and reserves amid geopolitical tensions and risks to the US dollar status as world reserve currency. A more prominent role for gold in the world monetary order could have a significant impact on available physical supply and ultimately price. On the heels of record-setting gold buying by central banks in 2022, they are continuing to stock up in 2023. The World Gold Council reported on Thursday that central banks bought 31 tonnes of gold in January. That represents a monthly increase of 16%. Leading the way in official gold buying was China, which reported adding 15 tonnes to its reserves, and Turkey. Last year, 
Turkey emerged as the single largest sovereign gold buyer. Russia also made some big moves to acquire gold and encouraged trading partners to send and receive payments in the precious metal. Countries that find themselves in the crosshairs of international financial sanctions have an obvious incentive to turn to the world's most universally recognised store of value. So do countries that are grappling with inflation. Last year, central banks acquired over 1,100 tonnes of gold. That's a 150% increase from the previous year. The World Gold Council expects 2023 to be another bumper year for monetary gold demand. Now, that doesn't mean that central banks will be adopting an actual gold standard, nor does it mean that central banks will be applying sound money principles. But they do want to get inflation under control and project stability to the public. And they are increasingly viewing holding US dollars and other fiat currency IOUs in reserves as, well, risky, really. Gold helps mitigate the risks of holding financial assets. While it's not practical for central banks to acquire silver on a large enough scale to fulfil the same role as gold, individuals on a more limited budget actually may find silver to be more practical for their needs than gold. Silver has the advantage right now of being relatively cheap to gold and to almost all other assets on the planet, frankly. And like gold, silver is historically and constitutionally considered to be money. In a worst-case scenario, if the banking system failed, the internet went down, and the fiat monetary system collapsed, silver coins will be far more practical for buying food and other basic necessities than gold coins. But of course, you can't eat either. And then, of course, most holders of physical gold and silver aren't doomsday preppers. Most precious metal buyers are concerned primarily with obtaining a tangible long-term store of value that also has upside potential in the event that things do go from bad to worse. But of course, silver and gold pays no dividends. And talking about sound money, there's been quite a lot of other action this week, both positive and negative. On the negative side, the House Revenue Committee in Wyoming absolutely gutted the forward-thinking bill recently passed by the Wyoming Senate. The authority for the state to acquire gold was yanked out, as were the provisions permitting certain tax payments to be paid in gold and silver. Republican Mark Jennings attempted to save the Wyoming Sound Money Bill on the House floor with an amendment stipulating his state must, at long last, own at least some gold and silver. This compromise amendment would have ensured that Wyoming took one baby step forward on sound money. Unfortunately, the Jennings Amendment failed by a vote of 34 to 27. Those Wyoming House members who defeated the Jennings Amendment did so because they outright opposed sound money and do not mind or realise that Wyoming is today a sitting duck with limited ability to protect itself against the inflation and financial instability caused by central bankers and tax and spend politicians in Washington. In recent years, the state of Wyoming has lost hundreds of millions of dollars on investments in emerging market debt, which is a fancy term that actually means loans given to third world countries. Yet the cowboy state does not own a single ounce of constitutional sound money, even as gold has risen 50% since Wyoming legislators first started debating the issue back in 2019. However, sound bills are moving forward in other states. This week, the Idaho House passed out a bill that would prompt the state treasurer to hold some physical gold and silver to the Idaho Senate. A similar bill in Tennessee passed a House committee and is now heading for the Tennessee House floor. Meanwhile, a bill in Iowa removing capital gains taxes from gold and silver received a favourable hearing, and that's heading for a full House vote. 
and another bill in Oregon would cancel some discriminatory taxes imposed on precious metal dealers and their customers, and that bill appears to have lots of support as it moves through the Oregon legislature. All told, there are more than 30 sound money bills pending in 19 states in the US, the most we've ever seen, and most of those bills will likely fall short. But the momentum does exist to achieve some important wins this year, so it's worth watching what's going to happen there. Now, there has been a belated response by Oil Longs, which was not entirely surprising, given the outsized exports for last week. Crude prices jumped almost 2% on Friday and over 4% for the week in a catch-up to record crude exports, reported by the EIA for the last week. New York traded West Texas Intermediate settled at $79.87 a barrel, up 2.16%, and for the week, the US crude benchmark gained 4.5%. London traded Brent crude settled at 85.98, up 1.46%, and the global crude benchmark was up 3.8% on the week. Crude prices started the week with a stumble, then gained momentum on positive factory data from top oil importer China. Hawkish rate hike talks and inflation concerns kept the market from breaking out after the EIA, or Energy Information Administration, reported on Wednesday that US crude exports hit a record high of 5.629 million barrels last week. Friday's session was also volatile as prices initially tumbled on a Wall Street Journal report that the UAE had an internal debate about leaving OPEC and pumping more oil. By mid-morning, though, the market retraced the losses and headed higher on the back of a weaker dollar after a Reuters report quoted a UAE official as saying that the WSJ story was far from the truth. Notwithstanding Friday's run-up, crude prices still look to stay in a range, with WTI likely to be boxed between $75 and $80. While the trade Fed interest rate decisions are becoming more optimistic about the Chinese recovery, the risks to the global economy may be increasing as interest rate expectations have risen, so the range does not appear to be going to go away anytime soon. In fact, it could be gradually tightening. And there does seem to be little appetite for a breakout in the short term. Now in Europe, European stock markets traded hard on Friday, boosted by positive sentiment overseas ahead of the release of those final readings of the Eurozone services activity data. The DAX in Germany traded 1.64% higher to 15,578. The CAC 40 in France climbed 0.88% to 7,348. And the FTSE 100 in London rose just 0.04% to 7947. In the corporate sector, Lufthansa stocks rose 5.6% after the German airline reported a full-year operating profit, overturning the previous year's losses, with a strong increase in travel demand resulting in a clearly positive result in 2022, despite high cost inflation and fuel prices. And Pearson stock fell 2% despite the education publishing company reporting an operating profit ahead of expectation as investors fretted about a drop in sales in its higher education section. Markets have fully priced in a 50 basis point hike by the European Central Bank in two weeks' time and President Christine Lagarde said on Thursday that more interest rate increases may be needed to combat inflation still at highly elevated levels. Morgan Stanley and three other investment banks have revised their forecasts for the ECB terminal rate, the level at which its key interest rate will peak to 4% as inflationary pressures weigh. 
data this week showed a surprise surge in underlying inflation around the 20-nation eurozone. The revisions also come on the heels of remarks by the ECB governing council members and Belgium National Bank Governor Pierre Wolchert on Friday that the ECB could consider raising its key interest rates to as high as 4% if underlying inflation remains persistently high. Bank of America Global Research, BMP Paribas and Barclays joined Morgan Stanley in the up revisions. Morgan Stanley and BMP have previously seen a terminal rate at 3.25% and Barclays and BOA had expected to peak at 3.5%. The ECB has raised rates to 2.5% from a record low of minus 0.5% in July 2022. Barclays said in the note to clients that it expects 50 basis point rate hikes in March and May and 25 basis points in June and July. We could be dealing with six more weeks of extreme data dependency, contradictory central bank speak and plenty of volatility, Bank of America economists warned in the note. And JP Morgan this week raised its forecast for the terminal rate to 3.75% from 3.5%. Most Asian stocks inched higher actually on Friday as markets digested more signals on US monetary policy and positive Chinese economic data. While Japan's Nikkei 225 index surged on a soft inflation reading from Tokyo, the Nikkei 225 was the best performer for the day, up 1.5%, as data showed inflation in Japan's capital eased substantially from an over 40-year high in January. The reading, which usually heralds a similar trend in nationwide inflation, puts less pressure on the Bank of Japan to begin tightening policy, a scenario that is positive for Japanese stocks. Friday's gains also put the Nikkei on course for a 1.8% jump this week, its best weekly performance since mid-January. Other Asian stocks were mildly positive as optimism over a Chinese economic recovery somewhat offset growing fears of a more hawkish Federal Reserve. China's Shanghai Composite traded up 0.54% on Friday, but was more than up 1% this week following a swathe of positive economic data. A private survey showed on Friday that China's services sector expanded at a faster than expected pace in February, and the reading followed government data that showed Chinese businesses' activity grew at its fastest pace in over a decade as a post-COVID economic recovery gained momentum. Optimism over China spilled into other centres too, with exposure to the country, chiefly Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index, which jumped 0.6% on Friday and was the best performer in Asia this week with a 2.9% bounce. The Taiwan Weighted Index was also set for a 0.8% weekly gain, and India's Nifty 50 rose more than 1% as heavyweight technology stocks tracked gains to their US peers, but both indices were set for a muted weekly performance at the end of the day. But sentiment towards Asian markets has been held back by a spike in US Treasury yields this week as continued signs of stubborn inflation and a strong jobs market drove up expectations that interest rates will remain higher for longer. And rising interest rates had battered Asian markets through 2022 and have limited any major recovery in the region so far in 2023. Fears of a potential recession triggered by pressure from higher rates have also weighed on sentiment this year. Now in Australia, the S&P ASX 200 rose 28.2 points or 0.4% to finish the day's trading at 7,283. Mining energy stocks lifted the index on hopes that China's economic recovery will spur demand. China is Australia's biggest customer of commodities, particularly iron ore, of course. New Hope rose 1.4% to $5.77. Santos advanced 1.3% to $7.20, while Woodside rallied 0.5% to $37.79. Oil prices were on track to post 2% gains for the week 
and Dalai and iron ore futures hit an eight-month high on Friday following a rebound in China's factory activity. Rio Tinto jumped 1.6%, 226.43. BHP Group powered up 0.6% to 48.32, and Oz Minerals was unchanged at $28 after independent expert Grant Samuel backed BHP's $9.6 billion bid for Oz. Fortescue dropped 1.3% to $22.76, and mining contractor Dow EDI trimmed early losses to end the session unchanged at $3.28 in another painful day. The stock opened lower after the sudden resignation of Chairman Mark Cello, following an admission of errors in the group's accounts and a steep fall in profit. Downer's market capitalization has almost halved to about $2 billion from $3.8 billion in mid-2022. Morningstar's head of equities, Peter Warns, said Downer had potential, but its management needed a clean-out from top to bottom. It could also become the target of a takeover. It seems to me the market has overreacted and an opportunistic bid from private equity could be launched, followed by a full clean-out of management, Warns said. Qantas's early rally lost steam and the shares finished 0.3% lower at $6.52. Qantas plans to hire as many as 8,500 people, including pilots, cabin crew and engineers in the next 18 months as part of a recruitment and training initiative to replace thousands of roles slashed during the pandemic. The flag carrier will establish a new engineering academy to train as many as 300 aircraft engineers a year to help fill defence contractor and general aviation roles, and it said 200 engineering recruits were needed annually to hit growth targets. Amphil was the biggest index laggard with a drop of 5.8% to $31.05 in an ex-dividend trading session, and the major banks rallied with Naud leading the pack, gaining 1.1% to 29.17. CBA rose 0.7%, ANZ 0.59%, and Westpac was up 0.42%. Macquarie was up 0.33% to 185.47%. And Bitcoin has been trading the narrow range since the beginning of the week, attempting to hold the 23,000 US dollar range. However, volume selling below 23,200 throughout the week saw Bitcoin falling to around 22,000 US. It was last down at 22,354, down 4.77%. The recent downward momentum in crypto markets began when the financial problems of US crypto-focused company Silvergate Capital Corp came to the fore. Leading crypto companies in the US decided to stop doing business with the bank, citing Silvergate's problems. This development had a negative impact on the already stalled Bitcoin price, causing a remarkable drop of 6% in one hour. As long as Bitcoin holds the 21,200 to 21,300 range, it's going to continue in terms of the recovery. But daily closes below that level could see a new bearish momentum begin below 20,000. So not out of the woods yet and probably more crypto bad news ahead. But more broadly, you can see this contention between higher interest rates from the Fed and the market still hoping that the Fed will be able to turn turtle quickly and the markets will be able to bounce higher. But as I've said several times, this is going to take a lot longer to play out than many people think. And I'm quite skeptical personally of whether we're going to see lower interest rates later in the year in the US or indeed in Australia. I think that's more likely to be a 2024 story. Meantime, those markets are still significantly overvalued because the returns from those stocks look to me to be threatened as the inflationary pressures and costs of capital, particularly interest rates, all hit home. 
I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time.